maybe I can start with um, asking you, Spatika, what you know about Barjils. Have you been to uh, the historic district in Dubai? Have you ever seen a Barjil before? Uh, yeah, I've seen one, mm-hmm. and I know that they work by, like, they take the cooler breezes from higher up, mm-hmm. and the higher the Barjil is, they get the cooler, less dusty streams. Wow, you're very knowledgeable. And faster streams. Yes. And they go down to a room in which they circulate and kind of mm-hmm. remove the hot air, mm-hmm. and it's a sort of vacuum. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, I think the interview's over. <laughs> Hi, I'm Spatika. I'm eight years old and I'm here with my friend Liz. Hi. She's from New York and together we're discovering new old things in Dubai that have been around a lot longer than I have. In each episode, we time travel through Dubai and we track down people who are connected to our topic to ask them questions. Tell me more. That's right. We ask them to tell us more so we can discover new stories. New stories about the old, remember? Hey, Svetika. One of the things I was least prepared for when I arrived in Dubai was the heat. I mean, I knew it could get hot, but I had never experienced heat and humidity quite like this before. How do you think people stayed cool before air conditioning? Well, they had barjils. These are wind towers that have been used in the Middle East for a while. I've heard about barjils and seen them in parts of old Dubai. It would be cool to find out how they work and whether they're still being used today. Let's find out more. We tracked down two architects with different areas of expertise about barjils and traditional architecture. Listen as Dahlia Hamati, professor of architecture at American University of Sharjah, and Rashid Bukash, chairman of the Architectural Heritage Society for the UAE, tell us more. Well, let's start about the word barjil. Do you know the, the history of the word? That's Dahlia Hamati, architect and professor at American University of Sharjah. So barjil in... Iranian means badgir, uh, which loosely translates into wind catcher, because it does exactly as you described. It catches wind. Um, and so we don't really know the, the history of it, like how old they are, because they tend to disintegrate quite quickly. If you think about something that's sticking up above everything else, it makes it very vulnerable, right? It's, it's exposed to sun, it's exposed to wind, it's exposed to high levels of humidity. Um, and because they're built from mostly organic materials, they're sort of the first things uh, to disintegrate if a building is not well-maintained or taken care of. So for that reason, it's very hard to pinpoint exactly how old um, they are. However, we have uh, evidence of them in drawings from ancient Egypt, so about 4,000 years ago. What? Which is a testimony to how effective they are. You know, the fact that we still see them today, they're 4,000 years old, so they're, they're a technology that really work. Um, the ones that you see in Dubai have their own sort of unique history because they are quite distinct from um, Bergils from other places of Africa and the Middle East. Um, and the reason that they look the way that they do is because they migrated here from a town called Bastak, which is a town in... Iran? Exactly. Um, which, do you know what that town is famous for? Bastakia? Bastakia is named after Bastak. 
Exactly. And Bastoks came. The the villagers in Bastok tended to be merchants who were very involved in the in the sea trade. Um, and the reason that they moved to Dubai and other parts of the Gulf was because at the turn of the last century, so around 1899, um, there was a big tax reform in Iran, and uh, and they 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 basically cut loose and decided to hop over the Arabian Gulf because Dubai at the time, um, it was a very hospitable business environment. There were no taxes. Um, the royal family at the time was you know, very open um, to merchants coming and doing business there um, and sort of developing the region. So at the time, Dubai went from this sleepy fishing village um, to a very quick transformation of imagine a skyline sort of peppered with wind towers everywhere. Those were the equivalent of the skyscrapers that we have today, um, back then. So the Bestucks brought with them their builders, their craftsmen, their architects, um, and they're really the ones that defined uh, the style of the wind towers that you see there today. It seemed pretty obvious to us. If we wanted to learn more about Bargils and keeping cool, we had to go to Bastakia. Bastakia is located in Old Dubai between Dubai Creek and Bur Dubai. It feels a lot different than other parts of the city. It feels old. The buildings aren't made of glass and steel, and they aren't very tall. You said that exact same thing about the Dubai World Trade Center. Yes, but these buildings are, okay, a lot shorter than the World Trade Center. About 37 stories shorter, in fact. They're only two stories tall on average, and the streets are too narrow for cars, and they twist a lot like a maze. Good observations. In 2012, Bastakia was renamed Al-Fahidi Historical District, but the names are still used interchangeably. Today, the neighborhood has a lot of museums and shops and tourists. On our first trip to Bastakia, Al-Fahidi, remember? We met with the architect Rash Bukash, chairman of the Architectural Heritage Society of the UAE. For years, he was director of the Architectural Heritage Department of Dubai Municipality. He also knows this neighborhood quite well because he grew up here. He had lots of photos to show us. This is my grandfather's house, the one which I lived in. That's the entrance. Double story majlis. Usually, if we're coming when I was 13, 14, if we come back late, sometimes we're going to cinema or something. So the door will be closed at 10 o'clock. So I had to climb from windows to windows to the roof and then go and open the door. <laughs> that is from the courtyard. This was a very nice house, Annie. That's three barjil. This is my room barjil. It's awesome that Rashid had his own barjil. I totally agree. Rashid has supervised the conservation of more than 200 historic buildings, many of them with barjils. Yeah, I was curious about why he wanted to save these buildings. It's a big story, I think. Uh, from the beginning, I think, from my birth, uh, being in the historic building, you know, living with the courtyard, with the winter war, and the summertime, uh, we usually open the openings of the winter war, so the breeze will come, and the winter time we close it. So uh, then the decorations, which was in the house, getting a little bit of the beauty of the traditional architecture, how they are making these uh, ornaments, uh, geometrical forms, the floral forms, and all of these things. Life in the olden days was totally different to what it is now. So for 17 years, I was living in this area, and 
the house was there and my uncle house my other uncle house and the neighborhood and you know the traditional life very very even the houses as you see the corridors are very narrow so at night you are staying in your room you can hear the neighbors you know what they are saying what they are talking all of these things and usually at the afternoons uh, then the children of the district we are all playing together either football or we have something traditional like a baseball uh, sometimes we go to the creek and fishing or catch uh, small crabs it was nice days yani uh, that was uh, from since we were 6 years old until 12 you can say and then little bit development came electricity water and all of these things they might not have had electricity but they did have cooling they had the bargeals good point Rashid knew all about the architecture and design of the Bargeals because he had a very special teacher, the architect Peter Jackson. To clarify to our listeners, this isn't the Peter Jackson who directed Lord of the Rings. It's the Peter Jackson who authored the book that we looked at called Wind Tower. Exactly. Rashid's house is one of the houses featured in the book. How did you know? I saw the drawings. Rashid was just 13 years old when Peter came to Dubai to study Bargeals. Every day after school for 3 months, Rashid helped Peter take measurements of the buildings. From 2 to 5 p.m., they would take measurements, and the next day Peter would come back with sketches. That's so cool. Totally. Rashid learned the basics of architecture very early on. He learned how to study, measure, and draw buildings. I haven't le- yet learned to draw or measure buildings like an architect, but I do like to observe. You definitely do. You observed a lot on our trip to Bastakia. So while you were there, were there any things that you noticed about that neighborhood that um that are different to other parts it of It was Dubai? mostly brownish. Brownish? Okay. Not that many AC plants. <laughs> AC plants? AC motors. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Barely any and there were like wind towers here and there. So those are great observations. Um it is very brown. It is very quiet and there are wind towers everywhere. So I think, you know, th- the nice thing to think about um Al Fahidi was that it was very much a reflection of the community that lived there and their social values. So, um we know that uh the Bastaks really had two very important things to them. One was that they put family at the center of everything. And family life was extremely private. So at the center of every court every house There was a courtyard. <laughs> And do you remember what was in the center of the courtyard when you went to XVA? A big tree? That's right. XVA is a gallery and hotel located in the former home of the Siddiqui family, Dubai's Rolex dealers. This Bastakia building is over 100 years old. You can go visit it today. And that big old tree, you know, has it creates its own microclimate because um it casts shade. it invites birds um it cools things down within the courtyard itself and that's a really important part um of the house it's sort of the center of the house where you know family members can meet in private and be relaxed and women can take off their veils and children can run around undisturbed and it's really at the heart of everything is this a courtyard This is a courtyard, that's right. It's it's not as beautiful as the XVA courtyard, but it's a courtyard. Dahlia's being modest. She invited us to her beautiful courtyard to do this interview. Do you know what defines a courtyard? What makes a courtyard? No. How many walls does it have? 4. And yep. 
And what can you see from the courtyard? Sky. Right. It's a space that's open to air. It's an outdoor space, but it's kind of a room in the house, isn't it? It feels like it feels like you could, you know, hang out here in the, as a living room or a dining room. And, you know, in this community, courtyards were symbols of paradise because think about, you know, a green, cool, luscious space in the desert. It's um it's a very special thing. So that's why the courtyards were so important. And then what that did was actually push the houses out to the perimeter of the building plot because the space was inside the center of the house. What? So that's why when you uh, walk through Al Fahidi, you'll notice that the buildings come right up to the edges, right? Yeah, they do. The places where you can walk are very narrow. Right. And the other reason for that is because the, the, the second thing that the Bastaks really prized was community. So their houses were really tied up next to each other. And those lanes that you're describing, the Arabic word for them is sikkah. Have you ever heard that term before? No. It's basically the Arabic word for lane. Um, and in this case, they were only as wide as needed to be for a donkey to pass through. What? A donkey? <laughs> right, there were no cars at the time. And the great thing about these sikkahs or lanes is that they're always in shade. The other thing that you mentioned was that it's brown, right? Yeah, it's brown, mostly. And the reason for that is because the building materials were um, natural. They were mostly, the walls were built of coral stone, which was brought up from the sea, which are basically just pieces of coral that are dried under the sun for a year um, and then used for making walls. And then they're covered in a sort of a lime mortar mix, which binds the coral stones together, and that's what gives it that brown color. And the second thing that you may have noticed is that there's not many windows in those walls. Did you notice that while you were there? Not that many. Mm -hmm. Do you know why that might be? No. It goes back to this issue of privacy. Imagine you have um, houses so close to each other, and then imagine that they were filled with windows. You see what's going on. You could spy. <laughs> you could spy a lot. <laughs> so that's why there are so few windows. And do you know what the environmental benefit of that is? What? Less sun. Oh, yeah. Less cool air escaping the rooms. Oh, yeah. So that's why it's such a nice example of um, how a social structure can give rise to an environmental system. And of course, the other architectural feature that keeps people cool is the bargeel. You can think about the bargeel as part of a system, right? So it's attached to this house. And you can think of the house as like a living organism, something that is constantly opening and closing and breathing according to what it needs to do. So say, for example, um, you know, at a certain time of day, you need like fast dry wind. So maybe you'll sit directly under the bergeel um, and you'll close all the other openings in the house. You'll close all the doors, you'll close all the windows because then you'll get a lot more and faster air movement right under there. But then at another time of day, maybe you want like a slower breeze, but you want it to reach farther into the house while you're eating or sleeping or something like that. So maybe you'll open some of the windows so that the air, the air can circulate more freely. Because um, there are these openings all over the house, not just um, underneath the bergeel. They're also in rooms. There are openings towards the courtyards. And so it really is this adaptable system that can open and close according to the conditions that you want. 
Sometimes you can even put um, a bowl of water right underneath the, the bajil so that as the air is coming down through it, it picks up the water molecules and it distributes um, colder air um, through the room. So it's, it's pretty amazing. That's basically how AC works. Raja told us that most of the bajils in Bastikia are about 12 meters tall. Well, it's tall enough that the towers rise above the one- and two-story buildings in the neighborhood, and they can capture the wind. Did you know that wind speeds are sometimes measured in knots? I did know that. They mentioned it in Tintin by Hergé. Well, did you know that one knot equals 1.85 kilometers per hour? I did not know that. If the speed of the wind outside, it is like 10 knots. Because the wind tower, it is a narrow area, so the wind, when it comes into it, it it speeds up. It reaches up to 17 or 18 knots. So you really feel it. So 18 knots would be about 33 kilometers per hour. That sounds slow. Well, it's about as fast as the wind speed you'd get from a ceiling fan on high speed. Uh, Here in Dubai, for example, between uh, 1 to 3 p.m., we get a nice breeze from the creek. So you see the wind towers are directed to that. Early morning at the downtime, we get a nice breeze from the desert. Then the rest, we have the north and the winds. And the wind towers worldwide, sometimes it is one direction. If you go to Bangladesh, Pakistan, it is only one direction, north. But here, because we have the wind from all the directions, so you can see it is directed to the four, north, south, uh, east, and west. So any direction the breeze is, it brings it in and it makes this uh, ventilation through the house itself. Uh, I remember when Prince Charles, uh, we opened for him this wind tower next room. He said, I want to stay here. Prince Charles first visited Bastakia in the 1980s, when it was quite run down and parts of it were slated for demolition. After he returned to England, he wrote a letter to Dubai officials encouraging them to preserve the neighborhood and its history. And we have a nice thing, uh, when he visited the area, and he visited this house, and we gave him the honorary membership of the society also, in this house, uh, and then we gave him the book to write his uh, memories, and he wrote and he signed in Arabic, Prince Charles, but from left to right. So, (laughs) Z-L-A-C-H. Dahlia also told us that the lanes between the houses in Bastakia can be 5 degrees Celsius cooler than other parts of Dubai. If Bajils work so well, why don't we see more of them around Dubai? Good question. Dahlia and Rashid both mentioned that a big challenge with Bajils is that they require a lot of maintenance. Oh yeah, they're exposed to the wind and the sun, so they can get quite beaten up. Exactly. So a lot of these buildings fell into disrepair, and a lot were demolished here in Bastakia, and also in other parts of old Dubai too. Rashid remembers watching one of the old bargils being demolished. And this oh, is 1984 when this. the demolition started. <laughs> the tractors started. And especially that big wind tower, they couldn't, uh, even with the... Uh, tractors, they couldn't demolish it. So what they did, they put a big rope around it and pulled it. We have the video. I can't believe they spent so much energy to tear it down. It took a while for people to realize that these buildings should be protected. They tell us a lot about Dubai's history, and they're also great examples of sustainable architecture. Dubai Municipality is now doing a lot to protect these buildings today. 
If you visit Bastakia and also parts of Dera, you'll see many of these buildings that have been preserved. Rashid oversaw a lot of the early conservation work. Uh, for example, uh, Ahmadiyya School, when we started the restoration, uh, there was no wind tower. But in the 1950s, photos, we see that there is a wind tower on the top of the house. So we went there exactly as yes, where the wind tower we show in the drawing. You can notice that there was a wind tower and they demolished it. So then we sat with the old people. Uh, we have like 10, 15 of the 78 years people who has a good memory and asked them. And especially, for example, uh, Ahmadiyya, we sat with one of the person who studied in the Ahmadiyya and asked them, uh, was there a wind tower here? He said, yes, for sure there was wind tower. But then 1960s, because the structure was not so good, they demolished it and closed it. So then we reconstructed the wind tower exactly as it was. Also, I think very important for us as architects and engineers to learn from this. And in our day, we look for green architecture, sustainable architecture. These houses are 100% green, sustainable architecture. Spatika. If you were an architect, would you be inspired by the design of the buildings and streets of Bastakia? Definitely, because it keeps people cool without electricity and is a whole lot more sustainable. It is important to be sustainable because the world is rapidly warming up. This is a very good point. You're not the only person inspired by Bargils. On one of our many trips to Expo 2020, we saw a building that uses the principles of the Bargil. The Austrian Pavilion! At first, I wasn't quite sure how it worked. I mean, it's not the color of a bargeal, or the shape of a bargeal, and the funnel seems to be upside down to what you would see in a bargeal. Right, but then we talked to one of the architects of the Austrian pavilion, Clemens Ross. He told us while the pavilion might not look exactly like the bargeals in Bastakia, it applies many of the same principles. Like what? Well, he told us that like bargeals, the pavilion's cones redirect wind to help keep people cool. But, unlike Bargeals, the pavilion has 38 cones that suck the air up, not down. They work more like chimneys. Right. Also, like Bargeals, the pavilion uses natural materials to help keep the building temperature down and is a light colour to help reflect the heat of the sun. While the Austrian pavilion might not look like a traditional Bargeal, it definitely acts like one. Spatika, what did you learn about Bargeals from our interviews? The Bargeals have been around a lot longer than I thought. The oldest photos I had seen of Dubai were from about 40 years ago, and those had Bargeals, and so I thought that's when they were built. I also learnt where Bargeals originated from and what it meant, wind catcher, which is an appropriate word for it. I also remember the story about Prince Charles visiting and signing his name in Arabic from left to right, which I found funny. Kids in Dubai, we want you to tell us more. Share your stories and pictures of Bargeals. You or a grown-up can write to us at tellmemore at amea.media. That's tellmemore at a-m-a-e-y-a dot media. Also, check out our show notes for photos of our visits to Bastakia and for more information about Peter Jackson's book. This episode of Tell Me More was brought to you by Amea Media. It was produced and edited by Liz McEnany. Our fantastic music is composed by Daniel Belka. A big thank you to Dahlia Hamati and Rashid Bukhash. And to Clemens Russ and Mona Hauser who helped us with our research. We'd love to hear what you thought of our show. You can rate us in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. 
and follow Tell Me More from Amaya Media so you know when a new episode drops. Bye! Bye!